Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. How can you create change when everything feels like it's just too much? Well, Ashling and Dr. Trish Leonard Curtin are here today to share some skills to empower us to find the small step in any situation no matter how overwhelming. We'll be talking about psychological flexibility and the role it can play in helping to remove barriers so that we can live more fully. Are you ready to meet them? Ashling and Dr. Trish Leonard Curtin are a psychologist duo who also happen to be married. Co-directors of Act Now Purposeful Living, they're passionate about helping people live their best lives by connecting with the now and learning to take one small step at a time. They regularly give workshops internationally and have been featured on a number of media outlets. Their first book together is The Power of Small, Making Tiny Changes When Everything Feels Too Much. Ashling and Trish both offer counseling and coaching sessions to individuals, couples, and groups. And you can find out more about the Leonard Curtins and their work at www.mypowerofsmall.com. Um, Ashling and Trish, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thanks so much. It's great to be here, Karen. Thank you both for being here. So, Ashling, maybe you can get us started first. I feel like we are living in a time that throws a light on the consequences of our psychological inflexibility. So maybe you could start us off just by sharing what is psychological flexibility or, and, and or inflexibility, and why is this so, such an important part of understanding ourselves and living a better life? Hmm. Well, I suppose, Karen, we're so familiar about, about looking at our physical flexibility, and we know really clear, clearly, you know, the things that we can do to increase our physical flexibility, such as yoga and stretching and exercising and eating certain foods. And as I always joke, and not eating the foods that I quite like to eat, you know, and those things will help us to be more physically flexible. Uh, but, but far few people are aware of a concept called psychological flexibility. And And this really does affect everything from our mental health to the quality of our relationships and just our overall kind of sense of purpose and quality in life. Um, So when we're psychologically inflexible, it's generally that we're kind of after losing contact with the present moment. So we're overly caught up in the past or in the future. So we're rehashing the past or we're going back to a point in the past where we feel like our life was better than it is now. And I think in these very uncertain times that we're living in at the moment, many people are kind of going back to to moments in the past and either thinking about kind of injustices or or times where they feel like their life was simpler than, than it is now. 
are going to the future. What if this? What if that? We're we're really living in a, kind of a collectively anxious and uncertain world right now. So when we're inflexible, we're overly in the past or the future. And when we're more psychologically flexible, it doesn't mean that we're robots and that we're not affected by injustice and by viruses and everything that's going on around us. However, we're really tuned in in the present moment to what's going on within our body and to the connections that we're having with other people. So that's the first aspect of kind of psychological flexibility and flexibility. There are three aspects. The second is that we can become overly caught up in thinking or emotional traps. So we can become overly blinkered by our unwanted thoughts or our unwanted emotions. So much so that, you know, um, we have the saying in Ireland, I'm not sure if you've in the States of you can't tell the wood from the trees. So you become so kind of, we kind of almost blinkered. So it's like you're kind of blinded um, from the world around you because you're so caught up with what's going on inside your skin or in this constant struggle to try and control what you think and feel. And what we know now from psychological research is that the more time and energy we spend trying to control how we think and feel, the more likely we are to struggle with anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, addictions, a whole range of things. So the kind of that's the psychological inflexibility part. And I suppose it's important to say none of us are 100% psychologically inflexible or 100% psychologically flexible. So this is a spectrum that we can all be aware of and make small changes to, to bring us more to the flexible end of the spectrum. And to bring us to the more flexible end of the spectrum, it's around learning skills to be able to observe and offer compassion towards ourselves when we're having unwanted thoughts and emotions rather than getting kind of blinded by them or caught in the struggle against them. So that's the second aspect. And then the third aspect is we're inflexible when we lose contact with our values, what's purposeful, what's authentic to us. So it feels like we're just kind of going from day to day. Um, you know, that saying kind of almost like living for the weekend or just maybe not even that, just feeling like our life has become real drudgery. It's day in, day out, Groundhog Day. And it doesn't feel like we have any sense of why we're actually doing what we're doing. And then to become more psychologically flexible is to actually stop and ask ourselves. And, I, and I, I've listened to other aspects of Out of the Fog, and I think you're very much into purpose on this podcast. And it's around really kind of checking in around, well, you know, what do I want to do with this one wild and precious life that I have, as Mary Oliver would say? Mm -hmm. And while not everything might be possible to us, most of us have more possibilities that we can kind of explore than we do. So thinking, well, how do I want to be remembered? How would I like my loved ones to be able to describe me? How do I want to be able to describe myself? If I was watching a video of my life, what would I like to see myself doing? And if this mismatch is what I'd actually seen myself doing in a kind of a real time video of my life, how can I change my life to be more in line with how, how I want to be? Mm -hmm. So those are the three aspects of psychological inflexibility to flexibility. Well, and Trish, this makes me think about that as, as I look at that and I, and I can feel and see into my own inflexibility, the ways that I get stuck, the ways that I get kind of blinkered, um, how can I cope with, it is a little overwhelming though, to think about how do I want to be remembered? Um, so Trish, how can we, when it is, when you do have that kind of, there's an overwhelming contrast maybe it's not as overwhelming for everyone but when i think of how do i want to be remembered there's some things i need to clean up before we, <laughs> before, we get to, before we get to that part how can we deal with that contrast in a way that is compassionate and and with the kinds of small steps 
that you talk about in the book? What's a gentle way to start to bring those two opposite things in line with each other? Well, probably the most powerful place to start is inside ourselves in the small steps that we can take because I think what Ashling spoke to there a lot in, in the psychological inflexibility is that when we struggle against life and what's happening, we have a very different experience of what's coming our way than if we are accepting and if we can make space for the emotions that come up for us. So, you know, there's lots of really crazy, unpredictable things happening in the world at the moment, and it can be so tempting to waste you know, hours on social media, trying to keep up to date with everything, planning for everything, worrying about what might come down the line, that we can really just, you know, we can lose touch with kind of what, what, what's going on in the present moment. And we're always about coming back to, okay, well, what is this small step that I can take in the present moment? And a lot of this time that power comes in making space, connecting with something, you know, as simple as just taking a breath before we act. Um, seeing our thoughts, you know, as, as exactly that, just thoughts so that, you know, when I'm getting caught up in worry that I'm able to label them as worries, they're not truths. And I think what's going on at the moment is that we have a lot of the big things that we took for granted, the things that we thought we knew in life and the things and the ways that we had about going about our day are crumbling at the moment. And we've got a real opportunity for change. Um, and we can make those changes in really small ways in the tiny interactions that we have. Um, and that starts usually with how we can shift our perspective from one of struggle to one of accepting everything that comes your way, um, shadow and light and seeing kind of the value. And once we're, once we're clear, and I know a lot of us, again, are reassessing our values at this time, it is a great opportunity to reconnect with, you know, what is important to me in life? Do I want to be sitting in the office nine to five at a desk with a bunch of colleagues I don't really like doing a job I don't really like? Or, you know, can I start to make really, really powerful small steps today towards maybe a life that I didn't dare dream was possible for me before now? But with the skills and with the steps that we follow every day ourselves and that we're really, really eager to get out to other people we have really seen that the, the power comes in not in trying to make big global change in the world and trying to take on everything at one go. It starts with the consistent steps that we take in our own lives and in our own relationships every day. Mm. And, and Trish, would you say that when someone, when you present a small step to someone, does someone ever say, well, that's too small, that won't make a difference? How could something that small really change absolutely because we're we're human so when we become alert that something needs to change in our life that we feel lonely we feel unfulfilled we feel unhappy our whole system is programmed to want to bring us back to some balance so we will do everything possible to change as quickly as we can and you know we'll take on big challenges and we'll want want to do it all and we we don't necessarily welcome hearing that it's it, it's just a small step um so there's generally a bit of resistance to it, but we always say, let your experience be your guide. So generally the steps that we ask people to take, like, you know, something as simple as seeing your thought as, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not broken. I'm aware I'm having the thought that I am broken can just give people a wiggle room. And once people start to try the skills out for themselves, 
and see the powerful changes really quickly, they usually get on board. Hmm. Uh, you're listening to Out of the Talk. <laughs> no, not. <laughs> You're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Ashling and Dr. Trish Leonard Curtin. Their new book is The Power of Small, Making Tiny Changes When Everything Feels Too Much. You can find out more about the Leonard Curtins and their work. Find out more about the book at www.mypowerofsmall.com. Ashling, there's a lot in the book about self-care. And you, you teach in, in the book about that idea of a, of a self-care zone. I think there sometimes is a temptation to think about self-care as like, oh, spa day, or self-care is something that you maybe put off as, as a reward for I'll finish this and then I'll get self-care. What does self-care mean in the way that you're teaching it in this book? I think there's a couple of different ways of looking at self-care. So at one level, self-care is something that is nurturing and nourishing for us. And actually, sometimes people would say, you know what, Ashling? my problem is, is that I have, I give myself too much self-care and I'll say, well, what does self-care mean? Like what self-care do you give yourself too much of? And they're like chocolate <laughs> and takeout <laughs> and, you know, pressing the snooze button. And I'm like, oh, okay, look, I'm put my hand up. I'm guilty of doing that sometimes myself. However, true self-care are uh, acts that actually make you feel better about yourself in the long run. And certainly a piece of chocolate or getting takeout, you know, once a week or what have you uh, after a stressful week is, is absolutely self-care. However, you know, if it's going from like the one bar of chocolate to like a few giant bars of chocolate um, or it's going to take out multiple times per week, um, you know, then it might not be self-care anymore because it actually leads to you feeling worse about yourself in the long run and it kind of puts you on the back foot. So when we're talking about self-care, we actually ask people to honestly and gently reflect on what they believe is self-care. And then to, as Trish said, let the experience be your guide. Is that truly caring for yourself? Because self-care is caring for yourself. It's nurturing and nourishing yourself. And sometimes self-care for people who go into do, do, go, go mode of kind of constantly doing and going and never ending kind of to-do lists and kind of running around and maybe not always kind of tuning into their body. Self-care might be actually pausing, dropping anchor, checking into their body, just doing something kind of just to kind of activate the soothe system in, in, in their bodies. Um, and I have a tendency in that direction myself. So I know that very, very well. Other people may feel, and we, we generally have both of these parts in ourselves, but other people might feel more like they go into this back away, not today mode, where they kind of keep putting off things. And they might even tell themselves that, oh, it's self-caring that I'm not applying for a new job because I've got so much on my plate or it's self-caring that I'm not starting to look at like my diet and exercise because there's something going on at home. But then when we look at it, it actually might not be self-caring because actually it's really wearing down their energy levels and their sense of kind of vitality and connection to others by staying in a job or by not starting to kind of look at what they're eating and exercising. So then if that was the case, the self-caring thing might be to make one small step towards that. So it might be like even just spending five or 10 minutes a day, a self-caring activity might be five or ten minutes a day looking at a cv or five or ten minutes doing a youtube 
video of exercises because again if we're waiting for that moment where it's like well we're going to have a week or a month to like really dive into our job search to make sure it's the proper job search or until we can go to like this boot camp kind of style thing that I think reality tv actually um, sometimes creates this unnatural idea of you know that you can just pause your life for a while and just look at some area of your life and put all of your time and energy into it and then it will be okay whereas actually the reality is is that it's really these small and incremental steps that we engage in so the self-care zone is truly caring for ourselves and the other piece is that if we try to do too much too soon um, it will become overwhelming so for example with the exercise example I don't know if it's the same in the US um, Karen but in Ireland many times clients will say as a new year's resolution that they're going to go to the gym more and they go from not going to the gym at all to going to the gym five days a week for an hour and a half two hours and the amount of clients that I have that end up doing injuries to themselves because they went from being very sedentary to like overly exercising is, is actually quite staggering are people also kind of changing what they eat so much that it's just it's it's an overwhelming difference to their to their life and it's just not maintainable so that's the other aspect of the self-care zone we say you know break out of your comfort zone yet stay within your self-care zone so not to try and make too big of a leap so that it won't be unnecessarily overwhelming and i think what i'm hearing you say ashling is that self-care Mm. falls somewhere in between indulgence, which is the bars and bars of chocolate and unrealistic expectation, which mm-hmm. is every day at 4 a.m. for two hours, I will go to the gym. Neither one of those are really sustainable and neither one might is caring. It doesn't feel Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like self-care is kind of somewhere in, in between the two and compassion get lost sometimes, I think, when we're in, uh, in overwhelm. Absolutely. We, we have a tendency towards all or nothing, you know, and this idea of like go big or go home. Mm-hmm. And it, we really get this a lot from the media. It's like, well, if it's not big or if you're not the best at something, it's not worth doing. Um, and actually, that's quite a damaging message when we become blinkered by it, because then we think, well, if I can't be the best or if I can't do two hours at the gym every day, well, why do anything at all? And the power of small is really around breaking out um, from that mentality of that we need to do everything the biggest, the best, that it needs to happen all at once, the kind of magic bullet to actually, if you make small changes and you make them incrementally, the most incredible changes happen. And often, you know, one small change breeds another small change. So somebody might start with one of my furry babies has found something around me and is throwing it around on the ground. So if you hear that, you'll know that that's, and that is actually one of the small beings of great joy that I have in, in my life, which both Trish and I have, we're completely crazy about them. Um, but um, I've lost my train of thought now just for a moment, excuse me. Yeah. That these small changes do really add up to be something incredible. And if somebody starts with doing a five or a 10 minute exercise video, then that they might realize, well, when they meet up with their friends, rather than meeting up at a bar or at a restaurant, they might say, well, can we go for a walk in the park first? You know, and these small changes really add up and people feel then that they're healthier, usually in their body and in their mind too. So Trish, what are some of those small steps maybe that a listener could start taking right now to change their life? What I like about the book and when the listeners are smiling as I say this, because they already know that they like books that I can write in and they like, and that I like books that are practical, right? Give me something to do at the end of every little chapter section of this book is today's small step 
So Trish, what is maybe today's small step or a listener's small step that they can take to start to put small changes into action in their lives? Well, there's kind of for any, you know, in the moment, um, there's really the only power that we have to really make meaningful changes in the moments and our choices that we make. So kind of this, this tuning into kind of those three areas of, of psychological flexibility. So if you think about the first point being kind of connecting with the present moment. So for anybody who hasn't tried mindfulness, just in, in encouraging you, there's a couple of introductory um, mindfulness um, exercises on our website and there's a whole host of of um, different exercises available out there. But just tuning in and practicing every, just five minutes of mindfulness each day just to tune into connecting with your five senses so that when you notice maybe that you're getting lost in your thoughts of the future or maybe worrying about kind of something that happened in the past that you have the skills and the choice to bring yourself back to what's actually happening around you in the moment. And then once you're there, then you can... You know, you can really kind of start to see your thoughts as th- thoughts um, from that place where you're grounded. So you're less likely to then buy into the stories of, you know, I can be thinking that maybe if, um, so say if I'm talking to somebody and I've got social anxiety and I see them maybe yawning or looking at the clock, if I'm listening to my head and I'm blinkered by my anxiety, I can think they're bored and I can think that they, they're not interested in what I have to say. But if I lean into the discomforts that may be asking them or, you know, just checking in with them if they're bored or if they're disinterested, you know, that could be just one small shift instead of me then allowing my thoughts then to dictate, oh, I won't say anything. And I might hold on to that and I'm less likely to maybe spend time around that person or I walk away with maybe some negative judgments about myself. So the more we can kind of, you know, enter into that observer self and just see our thoughts are not facts. And then we can tune in, we can get rid of all of that noise then and tune into what truly matters. So in that situation, you know, the connection with my my friend or that person that I'm talking to, if I'm valuing that connection, I will want to make that work and I will want to lean into my discomfort. But in that in that situation, if I if I kind of value my my comfort more than that and staying safe, I will play it safe. And I'll walk away and I'll never have got a chance to maybe prove myself wrong or to challenge my anxieties. So it's it's those little choices, I think, to maybe lean into a little bit of discomfort and be open to maybe a new experience happening and unhooking from the thoughts and using uh, mindfulness exercise like leaves on the stream can be a great way to just start practicing that right now. And I think that leaves on the stream is one of the exercises that's available on your website. Ashlyn, can you tell the listeners what your website is and all? There's tons of good stuff there. Can you tell them how to find you? Absolutely. And is it okay if I share my favorite small step as well, Karen? Do we have space for that? Well, no. Yes, of course we do. Yes, please do. (laughs) So you can find all our stuff on our website, www.mypowerofsmall.com. And also just one of my favorite small steps is just to change from viewing our actions as good and bad, right and wrong, to 
which actions bring you closer toward who and where you want to be and which actions bring you further away from who and where you want to be. Because as long as we're labeling some actions as good and some as bad, we often end up trapped in a, in a shame cycle that's really hard to break out of. So for example, when I label, when I kind of go a bit overboard with chocolate, when I label myself as bad for that, I usually get caught in a shame bubble and I actually reach for more chocolate. Whereas when I'm able to say, oh, this is moving away from treating my body lovingly and respectfully, I like put the chocolate away and I kind of grab a glass of water or something like that instead. And that one shift has probably been one of the ones that's made the most difference for me and for the clients that I've worked with. So moving from labeling ourselves as good and bad, right and wrong based on our our actions to which actions bring me closer toward who who and where I want to be and which actions bring me further away. And even taking two, three minutes in the evening to write down your toward moves and your away moves. As you do that over time, it it radically shifts and changes your actions as you become more conscious of that. And without even hardly knowing it, you'll start to notice that you're moving closer toward that you that you want it to be. Oh, and that's so interesting because at least for me, a lot of that overwhelm is a feeling that I, it's all coming at me and I can't do anything. I can't move toward it or away from it because I'm trapped in it. And what you're suggesting is me stopping to write down some of the ways in which I am moving toward or away. Mm-hmm. kind of brings yeah. some a little bit of agency back in to that. Absolutely. Um, now I see where our time is. Um, Ashling and Dr. Trish, thank you so much for being on the show. It was really fun to talk to you and yes, your furry baby. It's oh yeah. <laughs> so thanks. So quiet now. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course now they're quiet because we've, we're at the end of the interview. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. I've been talking with Ashley Leonard Curtin and Dr. Trish Leonard Curtin. They are the co-authors of the new book, The Power of Small, Making Tiny Changes When Everything Feels Too Much. You can find out more about the Leonard Curtins, about their work. There's a lot of great resources also, so introductory chapters of books, free resources, um, I think free mindfulness exercises at www.mypowerofsmall.com. I wouldn't say the www unless it was important. It's important, www.mypowerofsmall.com. And of course, you're always welcome over at karenhager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can also um, book a private session with me there if you're so inclined. And if you believe, as I do, that our intentions make a difference, that when we take time even to make small changes, to make ourselves and the world a better place, things change. If you believe that, I invite you to check out Open Peaceful Heart That's a place where you can find tons of different guided meditations that you can stream at any time and also get information about the free monthly 15-minute guided meditation session that my wife and I do the first Sunday of every month. So you can join us at openpeacefulheart.com. That's open to everyone, everywhere. There's no selling, no yelling, just 15 minutes of peace at openpeacefulheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.